Ag State of Mind, Episode 2. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Ag State of Mind. Today I'm speaking with Mary Jo Erman. Uh, Mary Jo is an author, speaker, and farm strategist. She is the CEO of Fiscal Bridge LLC and the author of the book Farming Without the Bank. Um, recently, she's also written an article for Successful Farming Magazine titled The Burden Left for Future Farmers When a Past Generation Doesn't Plan. The article speaks about the increasing number of suicides among farmers. She examines the possible causes for this frightening trend and also how we can stop this. We're going to talk to her today about how this current generation of farmers can stop this trend and alleviate these problems. Mary Jo, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking the time to, to get on here and uh, have a conversation with me. It's uh, This podcast, I think the seeds were planted about the time I met you back in February of 2019, I met Mary Jo at the National Cattlemen's Convention. Um, she had a session during the Cattlemen's College of NCBA. And I remember that kind of being the turning point of me wanting to change the way I do things a little bit. And um, I was fortunate enough to get to spend some time visiting with Mary Jo at NCBA. And I visited with her in the past. And she was actually on the first episode of my favorite podcast, the Working Cows podcast with Clay Connery. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited to get to talk to her and her be one of, being one of my first guests. So, Mary Jo, would you mind telling me and the listeners just a little bit about yourself, about your background in agriculture, and uh, now what you do for a living? Sure. I grew up in southwest North Dakota. My dad was a purebred breeder, Charlay, go white cows. <laughs> he was a Charlay breeder for 30 years and dispersed in the mid 90s. And now he farms with my brother. So I grew up in the agriculture world, was introduced in 2010 to the infinite banking concept. And that is just a financial strategy that I teach farmers how to use to get out of the banking system but realized very early on in that endeavor that farmers are my absolute favorite people to work with because I want to talk about calving and seeds all day long. Like, what are you planting? What are you harvesting? Did it rain? Did it not rain? I mean, you know, we're going to, as a farmer, we're going to complain if it rains too much and complain if we don't get enough. So I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And please bring it on. I love it. I absolutely love it. And so, but through that process, I've really realized in the last five to seven years of working solely with farmers, how broken the financial system is in the egg sector and how we really need to change that and change our thought process around that. So here I am just, it's a huge passion for me and there has to be a change. There just has to be a change all the way around. So something I wanted to ask you about is, 
when did you decide that farming wasn't for you for you to pursue as a career? Well, you know, it's funny. Nobody's ever asked me that, Jason. Um, I, I never had the intention of farming. My oldest brother stayed at home. He went to college for like a week or two and he hated it and said, dad, you can't do it without me. I need to help. And so he was always the one, (laughs) except you stayed in school, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My dad's like, okay. And so my oldest brother farmed and I really didn't love the farming part of what we did. I loved the cows and the cows were gone by, you know, well, they weren't gone quite at that point yet, but I was in college. I was just in college a few years and they had sold out. So the cows weren't there. That is, I mean, I still like the farming aspect of it, but I loved the cows. And so I always figured, oh, I'm going to marry a farmer or rancher, right? Nope, I married a city boy. So (laughs) you can't help (laughs) who should have, may I add, who should have been a farmer because he watches the weather and complains about the weather as much as a farmer. So, you know, I kind of get the best of both worlds. <laughs> that, that reminds me, I remember, I remember a few years ago, it was after I had my own kids and um, I woke up in the middle of the night and went straight to the couch, turned on the TV. This was, this was a few years before like iPhones, you know, you had the apps on your phones type thing. So I remember going, getting up, sitting down on the couch, turning on TV and turning on the weather channel. I mean, here I was. I mean, I was in my 20s. I've already turned into my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's inevitable. um, Yeah, it is. It is. But there was not going to be, obviously, room for two of us. And it wasn't something that I, and, and I tell people all the time, I don't like risk right? That's why I teach what I teach because there's some guarantees there and there's like pretty much no risk. And so I'm not the person that could be on the farm wondering, is it going to rain? Is it not going to rain? I don't want to take that risk. That risk isn't for everybody, but that doesn't, that just means I can help in that sector in a different manner, but I still hear it. I get all my material from my family because I hear about the banks. I hear about everything how everything is so horrible, you know, every time I talk to them. (laughs) They're great for material. (laughs) So I want to back up just for a second here. And I want to ask, why did, why did your dad decide to get out of the business? Why? What prompted that decision? He had bought land in the 80s. And then my grandparents passed. And he had to buy everybody out. So he couldn't do everything, right? Money was short. Cattle prices, Charlet cattle prices. Charlet kind of fell out of the market. People didn't want that. Because Charlet are very lean, right? So people didn't necessarily want that mixture anymore. We were switching kind of to the Angus breed. And, and so we had to make a decision. Are we going to sell the cows? and keep the family farm, right? Because that's what's most important. And so that's what we did and sold everything out. So it's really, I talk about it a lot that, and Val Farmer talks about it a lot, that farmers wrap their identity up in what they do. And so when they quit, they, that's their identity. 
Well, ironically, like my dad was a purebred breeder. Like everything we were known for was our Charlet cattle. That's who we were. And the next day, that's not your identity anymore. And I actually just talked to my mom about this last week. And I said, you know, dad never blinked. Like it never, he didn't say anything about it. I said, unless you guys talked about it behind the scenes, he didn't say, oh my gosh, I'm a loser now because I don't have cows. Because that's who I was. I was about 20, I was probably 22, 23. You were a young adult then. Okay. I was, when you tell the story before, I always picture you being a young girl, but you were, you were an adult when this happened. Mm -mm. No, and I'm the baby. So we were all gone already. I mean, everybody was, everybody graduated. My brother was still at home, obviously farming, but the other two of us were gone. But it was, mom said to me the other day, dad said, there's life after cows. And the, but it's just, it was a mentality for him, right? He's never been concerned about where is my next dollar coming from? Because I always talk about this. Dad has an abundance mindset. Like it'll all work out. It'll be fine. He doesn't worry. He doesn't have that scarcity mindset that he can't go do something else because I'm just going to go do something else. If this doesn't work, that's always been his thought process. And so a lot of times he didn't wrap that up in, I'm a rancher. I can't, I can't go to farming. What are people going to think if I have to sell out? I don't even know if that crossed his mind, but it crosses a lot of farmers' minds. And even today, he's, he's happy to retire. If you could tell him he could retire tomorrow and go to California for the whole winter, he would be all over it. Because he's not, that's not necessarily his identity because he's done other things through his lifetime that, you know, he started tractor poles and he was very mechanical and he built church furniture before they even started with cows. And so he's got all sorts of talents that he can do. But the one thing that Val told me early on that made so much sense is that most farmers don't ever leave. They don't ever do anything else. And so that's what they wrap their identity into. So I got to see that though. I got to witness the fact that you just go do something else. What's the big deal? Like that didn't work out. You just move on. But that mindset is not common among ranchers and farmers. We've talked about this off, you know, off camera before, off off recording. And I don't think it's necessarily just with with farmers, it's with people in general that they don't have that abundance mindset that you you talked about. They we generally people have a scarcity mindset. And so when when you take that, you know, so say your dad had that scarcity mindset and he you took that Charlotte pure breeder identity away from him. I mean, it really could have spiraled into something really serious. And I think we see that happening a lot today. And it doesn't have to be that way. Because although farming and ranching is is part of who we are, it's not all who we are. And we have, we have to realize that, that we, we are more than, than this lifestyle. It, it's, more, it's, it's, it's more than that. And I think some of it comes back to 
do we have a hobby and are we doing things that are joyful, right? Like my dad has always done woodwork and he's very good at it. Like he's, well, when he wants to be. So he can, (laughs) I love him, but he's not exactly a picky person. So it might like, you know, he might do it and it might be beautiful and then he might've just thrown it together. But he does, he can do a beautiful job of it. If he wasn't doing woodwork, he was, you know, he had modified tractors. And so he had a single engine, a double, a triple, a mini. Like we were constantly at tractor poles and he was starting those. And he was, he had things outside of farming. And some people get so, and it's easy to do because I've done it with my own business. You get so wrapped up into trying to make a living that it's not even joyful anymore. And so now we've lost the joy, which has become, we have put everything in it. We have no identity outside of that. And we, and not, not only do we not have any identity, but we, we wear that as a badge of honor. It's not, you know, we, we take pride in the fact that we don't, have money or time to go on vacation, or we don't have money or time for our kids to play sports, or we don't, you know, we take pride in that our life can is different. And, you know, how backward is that? I, because, and I, I say that because even though I don't ranch full time, I still wore that as a badge of honor for honestly, probably until this year, you know, and it's funny because you talk about your your husband being you know being the city the city guy. Now my wife, she even though she wasn't wasn't in the city, she was born out here in rural Missouri. She did not grow up in a, on a farm, but she's the one that kind of got me to see that you know yes, this is really important. Farming, ranching is really important to us, but it's not all we are. You know, I I used to be proud that. I had cows, so that meant I can't go on vacation. And she really, really, I credit her because she really got me to change my perspective on that. And I'm so thankful for that now. Mm-hmm. And now don't get me wrong. Like, we never went on vacation right. until we got to the point where we could. But it wasn't because our vacations were tractor pulls, right? <laughs> like we couldn't go on vacation because cows needed to be fed and there was probably a tractor pull that weekend. And so that, that kind of stuff was, was you, in the but, mix. But you had, your dad had diff, had other priorities besides just the farm and, you know, not, not. Absolutely. Having, I just use vacation because that's a priority for my family, but you know, it's, it's different for people. And I, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It doesn't matter if you are a business owner like myself or if you're a farmer or rancher, it's all business. And we all get caught up in that. I mean, even I was in that state for three to five years while I was building my business. We can't go anywhere. We can't buy anything. We can't do anything because we don't have the money. I have to be successful first. Well, what happened is you take the joy out of life and you just suck it dry and nobody's happy, right? Where can we just stop and enjoy what we got yesterday. And that's something that I have to do every day. I mean, I have to physically be grateful and sit down and think about what I'm grateful for because I like, I'm just, I'm always looking five feet ahead, 
right? And that's exactly how a farmer is. It's exactly how a rancher is. What is tomorrow? What is, what is, what is? Because the media, and you and I have talked about this before, Jason, the media is so negative. And now let's take out your CNNs and Fox News and MSN and whoever they are. Like we quit watching the news in this house probably two to three years ago, and I have never been so happy. But I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm going to admit this. I don't even listen to ag news because (laughs) it is all about what are corn prices doing today? Where is it raining too much? Where is it not raining enough? What are wheat prices doing? Zero control over. Absolutely. And they drive our attitude for that day. And we cannot, from a scarcity mindset, we cannot find a solution. If you have a scarcity mindset and you are in fear, your brain will completely shut down. It is a it is a proven fact. The only way we can find a solution is from an abundance mindset. And so if we have an abundance mindset and we have if we're doing something joyful, I don't care if you're crocheting. If that makes you happy, it is going to open up your mind so that we can see solutions. But all we hear about is everything negative. I was listening to agriculture news so that I could keep up on what was going on. I was just as angry as if I was listening to Fox News or CNN or or ABC, whatever the stations are. I can't do it because we're not providing solutions. All we're doing is throwing the problem in your face over and over and over and over. And then we wonder why people are committing suicide when I'm already in the dumps, but everything I listen to tells me it's not going to get better. Not how to make it better, but that it's never going to get better. Like that craziness has to stop. How do we think we're ever going to move forward if we're never thinking about how we can create that solution? I agree. I agree. So let's let's talk a little bit about this, this article you wrote for Successful Farming. What prompted that? Just what we're talking about here where... You know, I, obviously, I know in your in your own business, you deal a lot with succession planning and financing that. But what what prompted you to write that article? Um, ironically, I was well. I've been talking about it for a long time with just day to day calls. You know, I mean, I'm talking to farmers every day. Right. So every day, I'm hearing this and hearing it and hearing it, and I. When I'm dealing, because I'm dealing with the financial side of farming, and I can see where the problem is. Every every farmer has the same problem. It doesn't matter how big your operation is. At the end of the day, it's coming down to finance. And I'm seeing all these articles, and I don't remember if Jolene Brown posted something on Facebook or I posted something and she commented. And either way, Jolene and I started talking about it. And she said, that is exactly what I was going to write for Successful Farming. (laughs) And she said, "Um, would you like to write it? You already wrote it. Because I said, hey, Jolene, I just wrote a blog about this. I had the blog all ready to go. And she's like, that's almost exactly what I was going to write. Because she is seeing it on the mediation, or not mediation, but farm consultant side. She's seeing it over there as well, that it's coming down to the finances. And if you haven't seen the article, it's basically my, I mean, it's all my opinion. 
because I have no statistics to back it up, except what I see with except my farmers. Day to day, I mean, you live it. Yeah. You, know, you talk to people. Right. And it is the fact that we are not succession planning. So we are starting over with every single generation. Every generation is buying the farm again. They're either buying it from their siblings, they're buying it back from the bank, whatever they're doing. Every generation is starting over. And let's just say that great-grandpa homesteaded it. Okay, great-great-grandpa homesteaded it. Grandpa did a great job. Dad did a great job or, you know, kept it alive. Not even a great job, but kept it alive. And here I come and I can't keep it alive. Now, the burden is on me that they didn't pass it down correctly. They made me rebuy it because we have this preconceived notion that nobody should have it better than we did. So now I had to rebuy it, but due to inflation, due to the whatever's going on in the markets, right? Due to the fact that I was never taught how to market my grain or market my cows, I am not successful. The banks want to take it back. I'm having to buy it at an inflated price. Whatever happened, now, not only is it me that I'm being hard on, but my family is saying, hey, great grandpa did it. Grandpa did it. And dad did it. And now you can't do it. So you are the, the generation that could possibly be losing this is seriously has every generation before them. They have the weight of them on their shoulders and they don't want to look like the fool. They can't think to carry that weight. So it's just easier to say I'm done and commit suicide Because if it was a, and I get that there's mental illness, I 100% understand that. But where was this mental illness when corn was $7 a bushel? In my world. There was, where were the suicides then? I said, when, where was it, you know, in my side of the world, when calves were bringing $1,500 at at market at 500 pounds. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Where was it? If it's a mental illness problem, then we had that mental illness then as well. Is it, and, and to question it, is it mental illness or is it something that can be prevented? Because my brain always says, how do we solve the problem? Okay, here's the issue. Let's quit talking about the issue and start talking about the solution. We're not talking about the solution. I don't, I'm not seeing the solution outside of a 800 hotline, which is super important mm-hmm. that we need those hotlines. Absolutely 100%. Mm-hmm. But once we're okay again, let's implement the solution because this, this is cyclical. This is not the first time we've seen this. We've seen no. this in the 80s. Mm-hmm. We see it every downturn for mm-hmm. farmers. Mm-hmm. So the, the dollar... The value of the dollar is going to fall again because the market's going down and then the commodity prices come up because we're always opposite, right? So -hmm. when commodity prices come back up, are we going to be in a position and in a thought process, mentally focused on what we can do to prevent this in the future? Or are we just going to keep the cycle going and in 20 or 30 years from now, be right where we're at again? We're just so short-sighted. We, and I remember 
in 2014, that's when the cattle prices were at record highs. And I remember them saying, oh, this is going to last them. You know, there's always the, the them, them always saying that this, these prices are going to last for four to five years. But guess what? They didn't. They lasted about 18 months. And it's really put a lot of people, myself included, I got myself into a bind that I'm still trying to work out of today. And that's a problem because, you know, we, we think these, and it's both sides of it. We think the bad times are going to last forever, but we also think the good times are going to last forever. We, we, for, for people such as farmers, such as ranchers who generally have, have a plan of some sort to not realize that these markets are going to go up and down just like they've done since the creation of them. Is problematic, and I don't know how to really even go about remedying that, other than hitting it home is that the times how they are right now aren't aren't going to be like that forever, good or bad. That's exactly right. We cannot. I've talked to a couple farmers in the last couple of weeks, and I'm like, and they're saying, "Well, it's so bad, and and we just don't have the money." And I said, "Is this your first year farming?" Like, I hate. I, I hate to be snarky about it, but it's not my first year in business. And my business is directly related to farming. I know that I'm not going to be at record highs because I know farmers aren't at record highs. So I'm preparing, right? I've prepared for worst case scenario. And so is it your first year farming or is this a repeat? Because exactly what you just said, it is a cycle and it goes up and it goes down. And we don't know when those ups and downs are going to come. But if we are buying a tractor or a combine at $7 corn and we can't pay for it at $4 corn, we have a problem. If we're buying a $1,500 cow and we can't, I mean, I watched a $3,000 bread heifer go through the sale barn thinking in my head, how are you going to pay for that? And the sale barn is full of people and I'm there with my book, Farming Without the Bank, and they snark at me and walk by and buy. Nobody buys a book because cattle prices were so high, nobody needed me, right? Yeah. And 18 months later, guess what? Your $3,000 cow. I mean, all I could think is, man, you're going to need at least four calves. Mm-hmm. And you better hope she's not open next year. And she doesn't. You're going to need four calves just to pay for the cow. Just to pay for the cow. And you have, and you fed her. No, you haven't even got your return on the feed yet. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of this comes back to, do we know our numbers? Because if you knew your numbers and you did your accounting and you kept your book work and you knew exactly what you needed to make a profit, you probably wouldn't have been buying a $3,000 bread heifer. You'd have probably been selling your whole herd, waiting a year and rebuying them back right. at a lower price. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it just goes, you know, it just goes back to say, you know, where, where do our plans go with this? And, you know, Yes, I, I totally agree, especially me as a medical professional. I do realize that there is a significant mental health illness part in this, but but a lot of it is preventable. 
And, you know, that's what I'm trying to get people to realize is it, it, it does. It sucks to deal with, with problems. It just sucks to deal with stress, but we can prevent some of that stress. And the more we talk about that stress that's coming, that's coming along, I think the more people are going to be open to talk about it, except instead of just, you know, sweeping it under the rug, like is kind of the way that it's been for as long as I can remember and probably you too. Not that you're older than me. <laughs> just a little bit older than you. But I think that we need to start with mom and dad, right? Mom and dad need to understand that the way they're passing it on may not work. And, right. and I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, well, they have it better than we had it. My parents didn't even give us the equipment to farm. And so our son has it better than we had it. And I said, why does it just have to be better? Why can't it be the best? You've done a really good job of helping him out to this point. Why can't we just go one or two steps further and do the estate plan, have some life insurance so that we can pass that on and we can give them the best that we could do instead of having to recreate it and say, well, I still left you better. Is better. But why not leave them the best? Right. Is better going to keep that farm where you want it to be? And I ask my farmers all the time, you work really, really hard to build what you have. I mean, we just got done talking about the fact that they don't go on vacation, right? Mm -hmm. So we, you worked really, really hard to build that. You have given up everything. But what have you done to protect it? If you're not going to protect it, I don't really understand why you're working so hard to build it. You're working really hard to just work hard at mm -hmm. that point. You're not working hard to leave a legacy. You're just working really hard because you enjoy work, I guess. You enjoy to wear that badge of honor that says, I'm a poor farmer because society has, and it's not their fault. It is not the farmer's fault. Society has ingrained it into us that you should be struggling. I mean, just pay attention. Next time you watch a Hallmark movie, Jason, or any movie like right now on Netflix, my husband and I are watching the Heartland uh, series and it's, it's whatever. It's all, it's all about ranching. Mm-hmm. Ranching oh, and horses, yeah, and it's all it. it's all Western, and yeah, it's all sunshine and rainbows because I don't like it when people die, <laughs> and so <laughs> I don't like shooting, I don't like murders, yeah, I like sunshine and rainbows. Sound like you'd watch the same movies as my wife does. <laughs> I am sure she loves the Hallmark Channel. Oh my gosh, yes, especially Christmas time. I can't get it off. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. But now, next time you're watching a ranch show or a farm show that is a movie, pay attention. They're broke. Mm -hmm. They're driving the oldest vehicle. They're ready to lose the farm. The bank is going to foreclose on them and they have to figure out how they can have somebody come in and save them. Yeah. And that you know, is what society thinks of farmers. And that is what we think as a farmer, we should be like. I'll add something else to that is that they are struggling with their health as well. I mean, it was the Netflix show, The Ranch, with Sam Elliott, Aston Kutcher. And 
it's always talking about how Sam Elliott, the old aging rancher, is is always having health problems, always in the doctor. And, you know, we, and I, I was, I, I wrote a blog post about this and we, as the folks involved in agriculture, for people who feed the world, we do not take that great of care of our health. And if anybody should, it's us because that's kind of what we're selling. You know, we're selling food mm-hmm. to nourish our body and why not, you know, we should do our best to take care of that body. And um, it's another, I know I kind of went off on a tangent here, but that's something I'm really passionate about as well is taking care of that body. But we don't take, I can't speak to that because I don't take care of my own. However, <laughs> we, is it a great idea? Yes, it is. I agree with you. Um, but we, we, because we're outside all the time, right? We're busy. Busy doesn't mean that we're making progress on anything. It doesn't mean that we're being productive. It just means that we're busy. Mm-hmm. And so we're outside and we're busy and we're running and we don't need a doctor because we're tough and strong and made of iron. Mm-hmm. And we don't need the mental health days, the vacation days. We don't, those are things that are super important that we say, well, we don't need those. And yes, you can look out and you can see your cows and they're beautiful. Like there's, to me, there's nothing more awesome than to look at a field, a green field filled with cows grazing. Like it's absolutely breathtaking. I agree. But how many farmers are actually looking at their cows and enjoying that and not having the anxiety of what is that cow going to sell for? I sure hope she's not open. I better, I better get my semen bot. I better preg test. I better call the vet. I better, you know, I wonder if the fences need to be fixed. I, how am I, it, like oh, all of these really things, instead of just saying, I'm going to enjoy what I have and relax and it'll all be okay. Putting some faith in God, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and, absolutely. And saying he's going to provide what we need. I had a farmer ask me the other day, I had a client that emailed me and said, Mary Jo, can you explain to me what the abundance mindset means? I have never had a better day. Like I was so happy that he asked young, young farmer. Mm-hmm. I was so happy that he asked because we don't talk about it in this industry. It's very taboo because it's too woo-woo mm-hmm. to talk about this mindset. But why is our neighbor getting ahead and maybe doing things differently? What is he doing? Is he the guy that's always super positive that we want to just slug? Like, God, everything is perfect for him. Well, what is it because he sees those opportunities? Is it because he has that mindset? And it's not easy to shift. I, by nature, am a very scarcity-minded person. Because my mom's side of the family and my mom tend to go that way. Uh And that by nature, I've just inherited that, right? And my husband is totally 100% opposite. He's like, it's all good. Like I can be stressed out about something and he's cracking jokes. I'm like, I don't even know how your brain goes there. (laughs) I absolutely do not know how that works. (laughs) Like that would have never in a million years crossed my mind. So it is something that... I have to work on constantly. And so I get it. I get that there is that shift, but 
when we're asking questions like that, that just proves to me that we've not talked about it enough. Mm-hmm. And you might think I'm woo-woo and you might think Jason's woo-woo because his old podcast is about that. But it is so needed. It is so needed in this tough, tough industry of manliness. And we can't talk to a counselor because we don't want anybody to know that we needed help. Yeah. And you hear it all the time. But we don't need to leave anybody better than what we had it. They should struggle too because we had to struggle. If you want to get me going, you just tell me that. And I might, my, I call it my German passion, German passion. might kick in. And I am going to, you're going to see some spitfire coming out because that thought process to me, I just don't understand. Why can't you leave the best? Because you worked so hard to build it. Yeah. It's um, it, it's peculiar for sure. And that kind of segues into one thing I want to talk about. I listened, just listened today to your podcast, Mary Jo. Actually, I should go ahead and mention that. I meant to mention that at the beginning. Mary Jo does have her own podcast, Farming Without the Bank. I'll let you do some plugs for my dad. But I wanted to mention that before I forgot. When you you talked about the, the talked about millennials and millennials and farming and millennials have this really negative connotation about them. And I'm, I'm kind of on the border. I'm in the middle of being a Gen Xer and a, and a traditional millennial. So uh, I, I kind of have the attributes of both. So I want, I want you to speak a little bit about that, about why millennials in this, in this industry and in any industry are, are good for it. Their mindset is good for what we're doing. I love millennials. They are my favorite. I just, I love them because they challenge everything they're learning. They are not accepting anything as gospel. Before it was go to college. This is what you need to do. Um, This is how grandpa did it. This is how I'm doing it. This is how you're doing it. And these, this next generation is saying, well, that's dumb. Because we have technology, dad. Like, why would you do it that way? And have you listened to this podcast? Because they're talking about this. The information age, you can, and so many people say it's negative. There's so much information. I think it's fantastic because we get to educate ourselves. We get to fill ourselves with as much information as we care to. We have control of that information and how much we accept into our daily lives. What you can find, and, and I'm not, I'm, I, like I said, I'm on kind of the, the, up, the upper edge of millennials, but my son, what he can find to teach himself what to do on YouTube, we had a we had an issue the other day with a weed eater of all things. I mean, nothing will make me cuss more than a weed eater. And we're trying to get this weed eater restrung. And I, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I'm mad. So I said, Levi, get over here and figure out how to do this. And says, I'll just go look up a YouTube video. He had it restrung in two to three minutes. Mary Joe. I mean, I'd be pissed off at him if I wasn't so damn proud of him. So, that's that's what you're bringing to the table and they're challenging you and if you are so confident in what you're doing you shouldn't care if they challenge you I don't like I get challenged every single day with what I'm teaching people think I am full of crap 
They'll turn me in. Financial advisors hate me. Bankers don't love me. Like every day people are challenging me. I'm like, bring it on. I am 100% confident in what I do. So we have to open those doors though. You, and, and keep in mind, they're your child, right? So if you're the older generation, you raise them and you raise them to be independent and you raise them to be open-minded and to share. They are advancing everything. They're questioning everything. They're looking at new technology. Like, can you imagine the day that somebody said, I am going to do rotational grazing? And well, that is kind of new, right? Rotational grazing. And so then somebody says, well, that's a complete hogwash. Yeah. Right. But somebody did it to prove to us that it works. I mean, I talked to my own dad about rotational grazing. He thinks I've lost my mind. <laughs> but yet we are, what are, we're doing cover crops. We're doing no-till. All those things that at one time, this, the current older generation, right? That was their new thing. It is just progressing and it's progressing faster. Not all of our, I, I love how people are like, millennials are so bad. Well, they're not all eating Tide Pods for heaven's sake. <laughs> they're, you know, those are the special ones that make the news. Mm-hmm. Like we, every generation has had the special yeah, we, ones. You that, want to talk about what that, some of the Gen Xers and baby boomers did? <laughs> I mean, right? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean every generation. Think of the people in the '60s that were the that were out and they were the big peace lovers and smoking pot and protesting. And we have seemed to have forgotten about that. And so I cannot tell you. I have so many clients that are millennials, and they they're twenty. It's it's always funny to me when I hear a twenty three year old tell me, "Mary Jo, can you imagine if I'd have known this?" when I was 19, like you're 23, 23. like you have your whole entire life to create this wealth. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But they are so the podcasts are podcasts are the best thing ever because they are filling their head with so much information. I have a 14 year old. So our kids are probably about the same age, right? Yep. My oldest is 14. So, okay. So I have a 14 year old. And I said to her one day, um, I sent her a YouTube video link that was a inspirational type talk that Matthew McConaughey did. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh yeah, I already saw that. <laughs> I, said, I said, you saw that? And she's like, yeah, mom, I listen to that stuff all the time. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. Not only is she learning how to put makeup on and learning about stuff that I could, you know, I could probably eliminate like transgender things and, and lesbian and gays and those sort of things. And like, she's learning all that too. Right. So we come in and go, Oh my gosh, that's horrible. And Oh my gosh, that, or that's great. And I think it's great. I think it's absolutely fantastic because now you get to see what the world is like via YouTube right? and you get to make your own decision and we get to talk about that. Yeah. And so it's not, instead of shutting her off from it, I'm like, you know, maybe we could limit how much YouTube you watch. Right. Um, but instead of shutting her off from it, let's have a conversation but about she it. Can, you know, like it, you said, she's she watching can. inspirational videos. Right. Yeah, 14 awesome watches that? inspirational videos. Oh, great. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's different. You know, uh, you grew up in rural South Dakota, or I'm sorry, North Dakota. I grew up in rural Missouri. We were not exposed to much. I can tell you that. I mean, you probably were lived right. more isolated than I did, being where you were at. But I learned I some stuff last week that I should have probably knew in high school, and yeah. I didn't know it till I, last I'm learning. Week. I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm, you city kids know far too much stuff. <laughs> That is absolutely worthless to even know, <laughs> right? Right. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't get me started. That's a that's a whole different episode. <laughs> no. But I so I absolutely just love millennials because they're challenging us to think. They're challenging us to ask questions about what we're doing and how we're doing it, and can we do it better? And they're and, the ones that are forming that these new paradigm shifts that we, we, we so often talk about. Mm-hmm. Right. Because who asked me about the abundance mindset? A millennial. Mm-hmm. Other, everyone they else are questioning just... those things and they're open to hearing it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to change. It is going to change. They, they are wanting to change how the farm is passed off. They are trying to, what they're doing, so in, in just in what I'm helping farmers with, not only are they taking care of themselves, but when mom and dad say, no, I don't believe in what Mary Jo was doing, they will buy that life insurance policy on mom and dad so that they have the money to keep that farm going. So not only are they taking care of themselves, but they're saying, you know what, mom and dad, if you're not going to take care of me, I'm going to make sure that I do it correctly. You might not do it, but I'm going to do it on you. And I'm going to, I'm just going to take over and take control of it because this is my livelihood as well. And they're taking ownership of that in their 20s and 30s. Where when I look back at what, you know, most people did in my age group, I'm 45. I look back at what most people did in my age group. And at 30, they were still waiting for dad to give it to them, or they were just working with dad. Most of those people weren't saying, I'm going to go buy my own place and I'm going to start on my own. And if I get mom and dad's, I get it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, go create something for themselves instead of waiting. And, you know, when it does come time, then it may be or maybe not coming to you. Yeah. That's, you know, like you've said, millennials get a bad rap, but what, you know, why do they get such a bad rap? It's probably because they're, they're challenging the status quo and that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, you know? Um, I'm sure you're aware of that because that's what. Or they're eating Tide Pods. <laughs> so it's it's one extreme or the other, I guess I should say. And you know, I mean, we can't we can't categorize them all based on one bad one, sure. right? I mean, it's like saying, "Oh my gosh, somebody my age is terrible." Our whole generation is shot because you know they're smoking pot or they're they didn't go to college. Oh my god, my you know because in my generation. It was, you have to go to college. You have to go to college. You have to go to college. You didn't go to college and oh my God, it was the end of the world. Right. Um, And so now we can say, well, I don't even know what generation I am. Generation X. What am I? Probably. 40s. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm old. So they might say, you know what? That, that generation is completely lost because they didn't go to college. This new generation, these, they're coming up and they're saying, why do I need to go to college? I, I want to be a farmer. Like, 
do I really need to go to college? Is it, are they going to teach me what I need to know? And they're questioning that. They're not just saying, okay, this is my next step. And they're driving their parents insane who are my age. I mean, I have kids in their 20s too. So I have those, those same children. And I'm like, don't go to college. I have one. I'm like, do not. Don't you dare go to college. Like we barely got you through high school. <laughs> we just need to make sure that you can figure out a trade. He is going to be an entrepreneur. He has sold and bought stuff his entire life. It is just who he is. He, he is not, not an academic child. Education to to no. convert that into a successful living. He doesn't. You no. know, and you know that's another another one of his mindset changes. Now there are things that where college is appropriate, obviously, um, but it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't necessarily need to spend a hundred grand on a business degree for you to start a business or a hundred grand on an agriculture degree to be a farmer. You know, those are, those are going to be tough paradigms to change, but you know, they're doing it. People are, people are doing it. And I think it's commendable. And we're not, we have to ask, are we teaching the right classes? I cannot tell you how many young farmers I have that don't even know how to read a balance sheet. Yeah. They don't know what a PL is because they weren't taught that in school, even though they went to school for agriculture and they're most likely going to farm a ranch. We don't teach them what they need to know. And so, I mean, I don't know, maybe all mine were drinking and missed class that day, but <laughs> why do I have so many of the same farmers and ranchers with the same problem or they go to the bank And the bank doesn't teach them how to fill out their loan form, doesn't teach them how to read their balance sheet. And and they don't have a bookkeeper to do that. And so we're just muddling through trying to get ahead. It's no different than if you go to a trade school. So I went to a trade school to be a mechanic, but nobody taught me how to run my business. Most of those kids are going to have their own business. Mm -hmm. I can send you to beauty school and guess what? You come out a beautician and you don't know how to run your own business and you're going to rent your own booth. Like it is a, it is a problem amongst higher education that we're not teaching the business side to say, Hey, you know what? Here's the mainstream classes for agriculture. But if you decide to take over your mom and dad's family farm, you should really take these classes as well. Like you don't have to have a mandatory, right? But if you really want to have a successful farm, we encourage you to take these electives. How hard is that? You're paying for something. You may as well get something out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, Mary Jo, um, our time is getting short here today. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you and your work for what, you've, what you're doing for the, for the ag community. I do believe our missions line up. We, you said this in one of your episodes where we both want to save the ag community. You're approaching it from a financial aspect. I am approaching it from a health aspect. But I, I do believe our missions align um, because we want the same thing that we want. We want farmers to be successful. We want farmers to be happy and you know, I think two of the most important things in that is 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 money and well-being. So 
where where can people find you online? Where where do they get in contact with you? You can go to farmingwithoutthebank.com and you can grab the book there. Um, I've wrote two books. So one for farmers, one for non-farmers. You can find them both on farmingwithoutthebank.com or you can find me on Facebook, Farming Without the Bank. And then of course my podcast. Um, everything is Farming Without the Bank. So it's pretty easy to find me. I will say that Mary Jo does share some really good memes on, on Facebook. But just by me following her, there yeah, uh, I get to, I I, sh- I share quite a few of them on my own personal Facebook page. So she's got a she's got a pretty top notch Facebook meme game. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, Mary Jo, I really thank appreciate you. you taking taking the time here today. Um, it really means a lot to me to me and. Um, I really think we we talked about some really important stuff here today, and uh, I hope we get to do it again sometime. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you for doing what you do, Jason. I appreciate it. Thank you. Farmers need it. Yes, I agree. And uh, I, I said this in my intro episode that I recorded that I was looking for. Uh, I I came to this by looking for what I'm doing. I'm look, I was looking for a podcast dealing with mental health and agriculture, and uh, I couldn't find one, so I just uh, I just did my own, <laughs> which is the best way. Exactly. So maybe that's the part of that millennial mindset. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. Yep. You're welcome. You have a great one. You too. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.